Welcome inside the Locked On Senators podcast. I'm Ross Levitan, joined by Brandon Pillar today. We have plenty to discuss as we're recording during the third period of Game 3 between the Islanders and Panthers. Sends abroad a plenty on the score sheet in that one. We also have a sweep to discuss and one of the most beloved sends abroad. Well, he's already packing his bags after just three games. That and some 2020 NHL draft notes, all that and more. This is the Locked On Senators podcast, your team every day. Today is Wednesday, August 5th, Pillsy, and then there were 23. Ross, this is not how we wanted this to go. We we both kind of hitched our wagon to this New York Rangers team thinking Shesterkin would carry them to the promised land, but he didn't get in, in between the pipes till game three. But I don't want to blame that entirely on that scenario because Lungfist didn't actually play horribly. I think he gave his team a chance. I think when you're looking at a 1-14 and 14 power play in three games in a qualifying best-of-five series, that there's where you run into big trouble against this Carolina Hurricanes team who, I don't know about you, but man, they impressed the heck out of me. Offensively especially. We knew they had depth on the back end. It was tested, though, without Dougie Hamilton for the entire series, but... We knew that Jakob Slavin could play a big role. We knew that Joel Edmondson would bring a veteran presence, winning the Stanley Cup last year with St. Louis. They have Hayden Fleury, who plays nice back there as well. I'm sure I'm missing a few names, but the names that stood out most, you talk about offensive firepower. Last episode, we brought up the first hat-trick in playoff history for the Hurricanes with Andrei Svechnikov. He was ridiculous, but Pilsy, nothing was nicer than that Sebastian Ajo exclamation point on the series yeah tough look for tony d'angelo there but man what are you feeling yeah 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 definitely but what are you gonna do when a guy like aho pulls that move on you and not much a sturgeon could do there those guys uh i kind of had them as we can go back to our tiered rankings i kind of had aho and svechnikov as top line guys but they are elite like they are proving that they are past just a top six forward role. They are elite forwards with so much time to grow and develop. That Carolina Hurricanes team is going to be nasty. If they can keep it going with the Mrazek-Reimer duo, then I think they can definitely be a contender. Look how far they got last year, and they're only better this year. So the Carolina Hurricanes, after so many years of being everyone's dark horse playoff team, now they're legit contenders. Yeah, and Martin Neskash kind of gets pushed aside. He was such a big prospect in their system. We got to see him when we were in Belleville covering the B-Sens. He was playing with the Charlotte Checkers, who ultimately won the Calder Cup uh, last year. And he has a goal and an assist, but it's been all the news around Sebastian Ajo. Eight points leading the NHL right now, plus five rating. Bills, he's got three goals on 10 shots. How's that for a clean 30% shooting and we know that there's a two-way element to his game as well going up against Mika Zibanejad head-to-head for most of the series it's kind of funny how it's shaken out with the Finnish forwards right like coming up especially that there was that world junior where it was Pugliarvi, Aho, and Laine as the top line <laughs> ranting in on the second line can you imagine that but you look at how everything shuffled. I still think Rantanen is the cream of that crop but you got to think Aho is at least above Laine now I, I would say yes, only because Aho kind of puts it all together much better. But having said that, 
Line really, I think, looked at himself um, this offseason before this season and realized he had to do a lot of things better. And I think he improved his overall game. But Aho, I think he's he's a guy who can do it by himself a lot better. Line needs that uh, help of that strong Winnipeg Jets core to kind of cushion him and help him disappear and be a third or second option on a power play. Whereas Aho, he can be the guy. Final note about Sebastian Ajo as well. I told you three goals. Pilsy, how's this? One of those goals at even strength, one on the power play, and one shorthanded, just showing you how multidimensional of a player he is. Another player as well I want to get to is Ryan Dezingle. Will he see the ice in the next series, or will it take an injury? I thought it was one of those situations. Maybe it still is, as the Hurricanes haven't lost a game yet, but is that just kind of a bonus for Rod Brendamore? I think if you're Rod Brindamore, you don't change a damn thing. Like, you just swept a team that, let's not forget, the Carolina Hurricanes voted no against this because they were concerned that they couldn't match, or probably weren't concerned that they couldn't match them, but they felt they got the short end of the stick having to go up against the Rangers, a team that swept them in this series. So for this to happen just is crazy. And having a guy like the Zingle out the whole time just shows you even more how strong this Hurricanes team is. If I'm Rob Brindamore, I don't change anything unless there's an injury. From one sends abroad to another, Mika Zibanejad on the other side of things. He had a goal and an assist in the opening game of the series. Well, he finishes the series with the same amount of points, albeit playing the most out of any New York Ranger. I'm talking forwards or defensemen in that situation. He was a workhorse and certainly not the reason why the Rangers are going home early. No, definitely not. And Mika, he tends to put up more points, and he showed he can put up more points this season with Panarin, but just wasn't happening. But I can't take any anything away from how he played in this series. Like, heart and soul guy, getting it done on the, on the PK, on the power play, even strength. This guy was on the ice nonstop, like you said. So, too bad for Zibby. But if you're looking at the New York Rangers, this actually isn't the worst scenario. Because, let's be honest, in hindsight, seeing how this team... Uh, matched up against a team like the Carolina Hurricanes. I don't think they had what it takes to get go all the way and win a Stanley Cup. So now you're entered into those amazing odds for that Lafreniere sweepstakes. What is it like? Twelve point seven percent. Twelve and a half percent each. Twelve and a half percent chance. And we talked about how Panarin was a boost to that rebuild. How about Lafreniere uh, getting in there? And he's going to develop along with guys like Shesterkin, Capocacco, uh, uh, all these young guys that are going to be in the system. And the Rangers have another. They have the, the Hurricanes first round draft pick as well, whichever is, uh, I forget the condition on that, but they have one of those picks. So they're going to have two first round draft picks, potentially a chance of Lafreniere, a chance to rebuild. And you know the Rangers are going to throw a lot of cash at free agents this offseason. So they're going to reload and come back as true contenders next season. And the Rangers won't be the only ones with the worry of falling to the Hurricanes. Look for them, I think, to even be a favorite in the following round, in the real start of the Stanley Cup playoffs once the field is back to its normal 16 teams. Um, Let's go out west because... It was an interesting start, and we're a goalie-friendly show, so we like shooters to shoot to warm up the goalies, and that was not the case before Game 2 in Arizona. Ross, this absolutely infuriates me watching this, and watching this especially when you're in a scenario where every injury is so much more magnified because 
you're in a COVID bubble right now. Sure, you have the extended roster, but you only have so many guys, so many goalies. I don't know how many goalies the Coyotes brought with them, but when you have a guy as good as Antti Ranta, really, he's a 1B kind of goalie. Like, he's not your typical backup. I think even Talkett said he was hoping to play both these guys this series. Now that's not going to happen. Kemper had a tough game, too, so that's not good. But, guys, when you're out there on the warm-up, Warm up your goalie. Don't try to be a superstar going bar down and one catches him in the head and you're just missing the net anyways. What a waste of everyone's time. Give him shots he can warm up to, get a rhythm going, uh, get into his butterfly, move side to side. These pucks that are going near the face and crossbar, are you're just wasting everyone's time and you can't be injuring your own teammates in the COVID Cup. And that switch definitely affected the start from the scoring perspective, but not the tempo of play. Arizona ended up sh- out shooting Nashville 14 to five in that first period, but the score was two nothing Nashville. And of course they ended up winning that game four two. So that series is tied at two. I think the most entertaining series, Calgary, Winnipeg, we've had the drama that we discussed in the last episode, but the injuries really the bigger factor, not only Shifley, but Patrick Line. Do the Winnipeg Jets have any chance of being able to score by committee and challenging Calgary as Calgary could go on to the next round, up 2-1 in the series? Well, first I'll say I think they still have a chance. Like This, this is a strong team. They've got good veteran guys. But, Ross, how crazy is it? We're talking about injuries from goalies getting hit in the face. How about this game? Two guys getting absolutely drilled in the face. Tucker uh, Pullman's face was, it looked like he had mumps or something. Like the swelling was just crazy. And I hope the best for him. But there's another guy that's probably not going to be in the lineup next game for the Jets. I just think this Flames team is confident now. They know they've kind of got, they've got the Jets down. And the Jets are down and injured. So they're going to keep them pinned down, and it's going to be full throttle next game. I think the Flames will finish this one out next game. One another series, and I'm going to ask you the same way we asked Pooley before the series, because now you've seen two games in each of them, and they're both tied 1-1, so right where they start. So now we have a best of three in the two matchups that had the highest seed against the lowest seed in both the East and West. So Montreal-Pittsburgh, Edmonton-Chicago, based on the first two games, which of... Montreal or Chicago, do you see having a better chance to move on with the upset? Chicago, definitely. I think this Pittsburgh team, I I don't want to say it was a fluke that Montreal won that game, but you won in an overtime. Congrats. Two penalty shots. Yeah, yeah. Like, it's just insane. I think Pittsburgh is just too good, especially Zucker was supposed to replace Gensel, and now they've got them both. And Connor Sheary looks like he's right back where he belongs. Um, I don't think the Habs have what it takes, whereas the Blackhawks don't don't get too down on that veteran core. Like they've got a lot of pride. I think they're gonna they're gonna fight back. Do I think they're gonna come back and win it? No, but I think they've got a better chance than the Habs against the Penguins. For a sense abroad perspective, the Oilers moving on would only add to the solid start. Not only Tyler Ennis, who scored a goal in in one of the two games, but Alex Shaysaw with a goal and an assist, plus two. He's got five shots on goal, and he's doing it all in a third-line role, only 14 minutes per game. The bigger picture for Sens Abroad, and then we bring up the poll, Pillsy. Remember how we were a bit surprised that Mika Zibanejad was second in terms of 
the consensus based on the matchups. Maybe you can make an argument. It was a bracket style, but he's the first one eliminated. I think everyone was clear. It's a Mark Stone podcast. It's a Vegas Golden Knights podcast. Robin Leonard with the Neil as well. That was awesome to see because there were some moments in his past, most notably with the Trump sticker on the back of his military helmet in Buffalo, but just proving, you know, you can grow, you can change. So that was nice to see out of Leonard. I'm a big Robin Leonard fan. Um, I think someone who's gone through what he's gone through has really come out on the other side of it, a changed person. And he's one of the few guys who have been doing it. Like we had Dumba and then the four players, Sagan, Reeves, Jason Dickinson, and uh, Leonard, Leonard kneeling at the blue line together. And I think this is something that from what I read in the athletic story about this situation is Reeves, they locked arms on the Thursday game and he talked about kneeling with some teammates, but maybe it just, it didn't seem like the right thing to do or they, they were unsure of it. But I think once you get a little more other people, once Tyler Sagan from another team reaches out and you start getting guys who start feeling that this is an important message and symbol to send, it's going to start happening more. And I think it's good that a guy like Robin Leonard, who, like you said, had some made some questionable choices in the past uh, politically, has turned things around and kind of sees that he wants to support positive change. So I think that's great. And the NHL needs more of that. It was awesome to see, and it was kind of cool seeing him get the start in game one of the round-robin series. No indication yet from Pete DeBoer whether it's going to be the veteran Flurry or Robin Leonard in game one when it really starts to matter. Of course, it was a round-robin play when they took on Dallas, the game we mentioned, and it was a a sends-abroad head-to-head in goal. Robin Leonard against Ben Bishop. Leonard getting the win, making 25 saves on 28 shots as Ben Bishop allowed four goals on 32 shots. So that prompted us to ask on Twitter at Send Central between Robin Leonard and Ben Bishop, so Vegas or the uh, Dallas Stars, who is more likely to get that Stanley Cup this year? I'm not going to ask you, Pilsy. We know you're on Vegas. I know I'm on Vegas. But I thought it was pretty interesting that the majority is is clear. It's a clear-cut majority. Like Dallas, I don't think they're getting enough credit. Only 27% of the voters took on uh, Dallas. You can still have your say for a few more hours at Send Central, but was that a surprise to you? Not entirely. I think Vegas is just too strong. Like ev- Everyone knows what they've got now, and everyone loves Mark Stone. I think that's definitely uh, kind of part of that uh, vote. So I'm not too surprised. You know I'm a Dallas guy, too. I think Dallas has a great chance, but I don't think they have more of a chance than Vegas, that's for sure. Moving to the Islanders-Panthers series. I want to talk a couple storylines, and then hopefully the game will be all but done. Maybe we can put a bow on that one. Sends abroad, making some noise there. But it was Jean-Gabriel Pajot, maybe the gif of the tournament so far. He's not going to back down from one Brian Boyle. You know, you cannot measure Pajot's heart and courage by his height. That's for damn sure. Like, and I love, he's just a funny guy. Like, I don't think, like, Boyle was probably upset, but it looked like after Pajot did that, Boyle just kind of grabbed him and, like, was going to give him a noogie or something. Like, oh, you little rascal. Like, and then Pajot's just laughing after, like, he's like, oh, I'm glad you didn't come at me there, Boyle. That would have been a bad one. So I love seeing Pajot in the playoffs. That's when he performs at his best. If it was Chris Neal or Matt Karkner, I think Brian Boyle may have had a bit of a different 
reaction, th- those moments. Uh, one year before, Pajot burst on the scene with his playoff hat trick as a 20-year-old. Um, kind of nice connection to earlier in the show, Andrei Sveshnikov, the youngest player to record a playoff hat trick since Pajot oh, in 2013 nice. when he was 20 years old. Pajot also getting on the board his second of the postseason in this game three as the Islanders hope to advance past the Panthers. It's three minutes remaining in the game. Pajot has the Islanders' only goal, but the man who he was laughing with after that Boyle situation, Mike Hoffman, right from his spot. How gorgeous was that rocket? Man, do I miss seeing that with him in a Sens uniform, though. That's... That's his that's his spot. I mean, he as soon as and you saw him get his stick in the air, he was calling for it. Yandel with the nice fake slap shot and the pass over. And as soon as that puck leaves Hoffman's stick, it's in the net. No chance for a goalie there. Yeah, only difference being the Yandel left shot made it a bit easier of a play, I think, for Yandel, whereas Carlson would always have to pivot as the right shot and kind of straddle the blue line and then send it over because Hoffman, he's always on that right circle as the uh, left-hand shot that he is. And funny enough, Brian Boyle, uh, the aforementioned with the insurance goal for the Panthers. So all but certain that the Panthers will extend this series, and that's good news for hockey fans and sense fans, of course, knowing the draft pick that's up in the air. But for me, at this point, Pilsy, it's more games, the better. I don't want any more sweeps. We're already getting robbed of two extra games of what was such an entertaining series with the um, with the Rangers and the Hurricanes. So I need these series to go a little bit longer uh, from a work perspective as well as we can transition into the Leafs and Blue Jackets. I worked the game yesterday, and we have game four and five. So I'm hoping for this to be a five-game series, at least get the three shifts in uh here but that was a bit of a slow one and with our thoughts and prayers obviously with uh, jake muzzin that did not look good the stretcher coming on at the end of the game but once they broke Jonas corpusalo did you know that that was a leafs win guaranteed i think it was pretty obvious like that's a team where they know their uh offensive talent and once they kind of push through that crack in that dam and the floodgates just opened, you know their confidence is just soaring because they know they can out-talent this team. They just needed to get past Corpusallo, and that happened. Nice tip by Matthews there. They weren't going to beat him cleanly, it seemed. like you need, They needed a grade-A chance or deflections to beat him, so they got that, and I, think, I don't think Columbus is going to extend it as far as your hope and Ross. Sorry to take a couple shekels out of your pocket there, but I think the Leafs are going to roll right on and finish this series pretty quickly now. Well, if they finish in four, though, then I'm at least guaranteed three shifts, says the TSN radio broadcast and Sportsnet split the, split the games evenly. So uh, being a best of seven, at least I'll get back in the saddle uh, for that series. And yes, it was strategic that we held the Leafs to a little bit later in the show. Can't have that up up at the forefront that we're talking anything positive about that. I will, I will chirp a little bit, though. Jason Spets had a good year. Why, why is he playing four minutes a game? It's actually like... I'm almost mad about it, actually. He's, he's averaging five minutes and 54 seconds. Sheldon Keefe just leans on his guns. But I guess when they're getting paid what they are, he doesn't really have much of a choice. Well, maybe he just thinks Spets needs a little more time on the PK, you know? <laughs> the last series we have to touch on, too, Canucks Wild. I think everyone was surprised by the fact the Wild came out 3 nothing shutout in Game 1. What did you see Vancouver do differently that allowed them to, I mean, the score is a one-goal game, but Minnesota, they weren't in it really much. 
No, and I'll be the first. Uh, I, I said pretty confidently that Minnesota would not even get close to a win. So that's a tough one for me. But I just think, and it's similar to the Leafs. Like Vancouver knew they could break through. They just needed to chip away. And once they did that, uh, it just it just really got going there. And tough loss for them losing Tyler to Foley in previous episodes. That was the guy who I, I declared I thought would be a game changer for the Canucks. So that's a big loss, especially how good he was performing when they picked him up after the deadline. Well, they gave a second rounder up for Tyler to Foley. They gave a first rounder up last summer when they got JT Miller. That guy is so smooth at hockey. Is that one of the nicest goals so far? That toe drag right upstairs, top corner. What a beauty! Like, and I'm great sure, camera angle too. Yeah, the 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 angle just worked perfectly, and the video of his uh, young daughter like cheering for him too, and then he gets that goal. Like, that's just classic stuff. That's classic playoff stuff with uh, with a COVID spin on it, with a, a video being sent in instead of uh, his daughter being at the glass for the game. But JT Miller. What a what a pickup for the Canucks, and I think he's gonna make a nice home for himself there. What a shot! Yeah, I think that um, Kevin Fiala didn't make any friends in the gambling community, especially in BC. Guys who had Vancouver Canucks minus one and a half, um, he scored two goals himself in the last three minutes of the game to spoil that one, or have a nice backdoor cover if you're on the other side of it. Um, before we go, Pilsy, we've got some NHL draft news and. Just so you're aware, if you are listening to this on August 6th, we are two months away from the NHL draft. Nice distraction. The days are going by so much faster now that there's NHL hockey. But Sens fans, we know where the real bread and butter is, and that is draft season. And some of them are already back playing. Like goaltender Yaroslav Askarov, he completely dominated in his first game back. He was with the U-20 Russian team, Pilsy, 10 Nothing win over HC Sochi. That's incredible. I mean, you said what? He had a 12 save shutout? 12 save shutout. Yeah, he was probably doing the old Ken Dryden with the hand up, leaning on the stick. I actually read a report. Um, I wish I could give a shout out on Twitter. I'll find it while you're talking next. But um, he was calling for passes from his defenseman. That's how bored he was. (laughs) That's great. Well, you know what? I was actually just going to say that's probably good because... I find, and two tennies here, you probably have similar experience, but when you're a goalie and you're in a game where you're not getting a lot of shots, you're you're cold, and you're so focused on keeping that shutout, that's when in the final minute they squeak one by you because you're not sharp or or you're already thinking about what's, what you're doing after the game. So good on him for keeping that door shut because that is the worst when you have a 10 nothing lead and you let one slip by you to ruin that perfect zero. Yeah, it was Yoke Nevelainen. He's the head of European scouting at Dauber Prospects. He says, Yaroslav Askarov with the shutout, and he also made one excellent long pass that should give him a secondary assist. Wasn't tested much, even seemed bored at times, and asked his defenseman to pass him the puck. So uh, definitely uh, trying to make the most out of, uh, out of a lopsided game, whereas some prospects... They're trying to sell themselves without the opportunity of showcasing in games. And that's exactly what Marco Rossi has been doing. Head over to that guy's Twitter. Talk about balance and talk about really selling yourself. What did you think of the latest of uh, a variety of videos he's posted of his off-season training? Those are pretty impressive, uh, especially the the tightrope walking. I could, I could never do that. That takes a lot of concentration for sure. But 
Marco Rossi from like reports you read from uh, scouts and guys who have watched him closely. They all say he's a tremendously hard worker. Like this guy wants it. I think the, my one term association that I had with him was hungry. Like he, I think he's going to be ready for the pros soon and whatever team gets a chance to draft him, he's going to be amazing for them because this guy does not stop. So good to see Marco Rossi uh, showing us all that we can all work a little harder and uh, maybe try to get on his level. Yeah, I don't think you or I are going to be in that group anytime soon. No. Uh, as we let you go here on the Locked On Senators podcast, the score is final. There will be a game 4-3-2. The Panthers defeat the Islanders for some breaking moves. But just so you have an idea of when we're recording the show, you can, of course, you can listen whenever you want and go back and listen to old episodes. We've got, obviously, a variety because we are your team every day here on the Locked On Senators podcast. We want to thank you again for listening, too. Numbers came out, and it was great getting the newsletter saying that the NHL audience is up 77%, and then listing off all the teams that have the most listenership. Well, one wasn't like the other, and that's because the Locked On Senators podcast is the only one of any of the teams who are not in the return to play to make that list. So that's because of you guys. You can follow along for daily content on Twitter at Send Central. For Brandon Pillar, I'm Ross Levitan. Enjoy the six games of hockey today. We'll be back to discuss them tomorrow right here. <laughs>